It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. It's on. It's on. It's WBZ. You're Jay talking with Live Midnight to Five. And this is Michael Coyne Knight. Michael Coyne, Dean of the Massachusetts School of Law and relaxing summertime guy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you tonight? Thank you very much for coming in. You came in on the perfect night right yeah pretty busy night after the fireworks and uh well there's the jeffrey epstein thing there's the fireworks and the kevin spacey case so most fireworks yet so let's start with that can we talk you talk about what happened in court today yeah it was i think uh by all accounts uh, a pretty amazing day down in nantucket on the spacey evidentiary hearing um, the fact is kevin spacey is charged with felonious sexual assault uh the key issue now is the alleged accuser's missing phone uh, because it contains various uh, data that uh, the prosecution has provided to the defendant. Uh, But more importantly, uh, the defendant alleges, and it appears that they have uh, copies of information from others' uh, phones that the alleged accuser uh, was uh, telling friends about the incident in question, Snapchatting information to them, providing pics and videos and the like. But the pro- uh, defense argues that some of that uh, information has been altered, some of it has been deleted, and the fact is is that they've provided law enforcement with a misleading account of the uh, events on the night in question. And uh, Mr. Spacey believes that the Uh, information that's missing was exculpatory because it would show that the encounter was consensual. It would also show that um, the uh, alleged victim isn't really a victim at all um, and has misled investigators and the like. So this hearing was an evidentiary hearing on uh, what, if any, sanction should apply if that phone is truly missing and and, uh, information has been lost forever to the defendant to use in his defense, and what specifically happened and who is responsible uh, for this potential loss of evidence at this point. I'm curious what Nightside uh, Nightside and Jay Talking listeners feel about this. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you can give give us a shout, 617-254-1030. It's local and it's big, so why not? How close did the judge come to throwing this out today? Uh, I think he's reasonably close to it. I think that this is uh, incredibly sloppy in the least and perhaps 
likely uh, shows that the prosecution simply isn't uh, providing proper protocols in order to preserve information to ensure that the defendant's constitutional rights are protected. And the likelihood is, may not just be in this case, but it may be in others as well. So the problem from the prosecution standpoint in this case is that not only has it exposed a serious problem in this case, but it may have opened up other defendants to the avenue of thinking that, well, let's test and make sure that the government has, in fact, uh, done everything uh, uh, by the book, uh, because in fact, in this case, they have not done many things by the book. Frankly, I'm kind of surprised that the phone was returned at all uh, without making sure that they had a full and complete copy, not just of the information that was presently there, but information that may have been deleted or altered from the phone, a good forensic examination would have been able to discover much of that because some of this appears to have been uh, a surprise to law enforcement, even though Ms. Unruh told them uh, when she provided the phone to, them, to law enforcement that she had removed some information, what she called frat boy material, uh, from that phone. That should have been a red flag to investigators uh, that there may be issues with that such a key piece of evidence. So I think the judges may well treat it harshly. In Massachusetts, we tend to treat the spoliation, the destruction of evidence harshly uh, by when law enforcement is involved, if there's been law enforcement abuses. We actually treat it more harshly in Massachusetts than perhaps even the federal constitution would provide. Is the evidence considered to be the phone or the material on the phone or both? And if it's either the phone or both isn't admitting to removing anything tampering with evidence yes that's a it's a great question because you know we tend to think of what we want to get to the evidence of 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 the contents of the phone as to specific items that were removed to see if they're exculpatory to see what items were altered, to see what admissions there may be in the text messages or the group messages that were exchanged that evening by the alleged victim and uh, with his friends and others. Uh, but, but, but your point is well taken. Isn't the phone itself? Uh, that's the, the, the key piece of evidence because once we would have that, we would, able, we would be able to undertake an examination to see how much data, how much of uh, the imaging that was on that phone has been altered or removed. We may never ultimately obtain that underlying pieces of it, those underlying pieces of evidence, but what we would know is that there were major items now forever lost, and only the phone itself would be able to likely tell us that. Uh, and without, without the phone, it, it's difficult to undertake a complete forensic examination but we can see what the defendant is doing here is they are gathering the information from other sources, from the other participants that exchanged information with the alleged victim that night, uh, and likely their cell phone providers as well. What's likely to happen regarding that? Uh, I, I think at this point now what we're going to see is that the defendant has moved, asked for dismissal today, wanted the court to, to move to dismiss it today, because the accused, I'm sorry, not the accused, the alleged victim during his testimony took the Fifth Amendment with respect to uh, where the phone presently is. At that point, then, the judge struck his testimony 
Uh, and it puts the case seriously in jeopardy because if he is intent on taking the Fifth Amendment, which he is, is his right because one can take the Fifth Amendment when you reasonably believe that the answers would incriminate you in criminal charges. So if he had a hand in destroying or altering the evidence that would be used in this criminal case, that's also a felony in Massachusetts. So he's within his rights to take the Fifth. The judge expressed surprise that that. He expressed surprise that when the phone was returned to the family, no receipt, no protocols were in place for how those that though those items of evidence are returned to an individual, and that he was surprised at the the, the little safeguards that law enforcement took here uh, to frankly protect itself from the accusations that we now see which is that they lost the phone and never provided it back to the family. That's what the family says. Law enforcement, the district attorney's office feels confidently and had two state troopers testify that they did provide the phone back to the father. The father denies uh, receiving it. I think the judge is um, rightly concerned about the defendant's constitutional rights. He will entertain, asked for the, the motion for dismissal and will issue some form of sanction in all likelihood unless that phone is miraculously found soon. And that sanction could be the severe sanction of dismissal, or if he or the prosecution can satisfy the court that all of that information can be obtained through other sources, then he may not feel that dismissal is, is necessary as a sanction but it still means that even if the case can limp forward so that the court is not dismissing it, without the cooperation of the alleged victim, there's almost no way, there is no way, in my opinion, that this case could result in a guilty verdict, even with his cooperation. Based on the testimony today, I think you've got a very strong case for reasonable doubt. Even before today, I believe that it was a weak case. Today's testimony and the 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 damaging revelations today mean that it's almost a certainty that Mr. Spacey would be found not guilty if this case does, in fact, go forward. One more question regarding the phone before the break. What is, what is the likelihood that any person, well, in, in, in this case, who did remove something will suffer legal consequences? They could suffer legal consequences. The fact is, when one looks at the statute— if they had the intent to um, alter or destroy the evidence, then there certainly is an argument that the, that the statute has been violated. Whether the district attorney's office would want to proceed in such a fashion against the victim, alleged victim, or the alleged victim's mother, uh, or the alleged victim's father, puts them in a, a delicate situation as they would be then potentially by some uh, viewed as uh, not respecting uh, victims' rights. But the problem is, is that uh, in many ways, they have uh, treated, uh, mishandled the this case from the outset. One thinks, one could argue, that if uh, Ms. Unruh wasn't such a high-profile media member, when she made revelations to the district attorney's office that she had altered and removed information, most people would have faced a great deal of questioning and scrutiny and the allegations would have been more closely examined. But because she was a celebrity, um, perhaps the district attorney's office gave them a little more leeway than certainly 
many people would get if they were of more modest means. So a lot of the consequences might depend upon the nature of the calls or the or the transmissions. Frat boy messages or frat boy behavior deleted. Wouldn't that frat boy, very frat boy behavior, be possibly used as evidence? Yeah. Because it that, goes to, the I don't know, character or the type of behavior that this person generally undertakes. And that's just what... And so that would be evidence. Well, just what uh, Mr. Spacey's attorney, uh, Attorney Jackson, was arguing is it's not just the text messages and videos and Snapchats from the night in question. It's about other things he did at other times that would go to his credibility, go to his potential consumption of alcohol, and his potential uh, bias and prejudice that he might have, even using at times, it was suggested, homophobic slurs and the like, that all of that information that could be used by the defendant to uh, and, and, uh, attempt to create reasonable doubt, you know, the fact is a lot of that stuff falls into what some of us would describe as frat boy activities. Well, that's, that doesn't necessarily mean that the defendant wouldn't find that this relevant in trying their case to use that, that this is uh, far more personal or goes to the issue of consent or is it, uh, it certainly wasn't plied with alcohol. This was a young man, at least by the allegations today, that wasn't unfamiliar with the consumption of alcohol and perhaps un not unfamiliar with the consumption of alcohol to excess. If I'm Ke uh, Kevin Spacey's defense, I'm thinking this entire phone is a book, many of the pages which could have evidence that bears on my client's case. And that's exactly what they're saying, and that's what they're arguing. All right. Big developments today. Now we're going to focus on the behavior, the testimony of the father. And the father was belligerent and came within a hair's breadth of being charged with contempt of court. He Can did. you paint that picture? Sure. Um, the father is uh, alleged by law enforcement, the district attorney's office, to have been the individual who was home and received the phone back from the state troopers uh, when they came to interview uh, the daughter, uh, that day, December 18th, I believe it was. And um, his answers throughout were non-responsive and evasive, but he, more importantly, uh, he was combative virtually from the moment he stepped on the stand. Now, I think all of us would understand as a parent that we would be angry with respect to uh, our child being abused uh, and with respect to the, and the process so closely scrutinizing the victim's life as opposed to the life of the defendant. And so there, there naturally is going to be some anger and some resentment about the scrutiny one's child is subjected to at that point. The problem is it comes with the territory. And if you decide to go forward, uh, the fact is, is that, that the father should have been better counseled and prepped with respect to the manner in which he should be responding to the questions and not appearing so hostile to uh, the court process itself. Because that's what really was involved, is the court was undertaking an inquiry as to what took place with this phone and where it may likely be today. And unfortunately, he did, he, he did himself and his family... Um, no good today by being so evasive and combative and argumentative with the defense counsel. Grant, he doesn't have to like him, 
but the defense counsel has a job to do. I thought he tried to do it respectfully. I think he did it very, very well. Um, but the fact is, is that he's got a job. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Job to do to try to examine where the phone is. And I think it's a little uh, bit sanctimonious to come across as the the completely harmed individual here when the likelihood is two state troopers testified that you received the phone, I know because I saw him give it to you, and then have virtually no understanding of ever receiving the phone and what it might have taken place. Now, things get lost, phones get lost, uh, items get destroyed because we want to protect our privacy. Understood. Tom Brady did it during his Which case. I wanted to speak of yes. later on. Okay, we can we can I speak about it whenever. But okay. I do think that that's legitimate, that I think a lot of people would not want their personal lives examined with such close scrutiny. And much of our personal lives are now found on the cell phones we keep in our pocket, our photographs, our messages with friends, um, important uh, dates and information that we may not want uh, the public to share. And so uh, some of that is, is well understood. The problem is that now a crucial piece of evidence has been lost to the defendant, and you've got to cooperate, and you have to at least appear more sympathetic than combative. And that's just not the way he came across at all, and he did himself no favors. And I think the court, and, and that's the, the, the one bright light today, if we really want to take a hard look at it, in addition to the performance of Spacey's lawyer, who I thought did a, a, an excellent job, I think the judge did a great job. You know, we criticize judges a lot uh, for the way they dispose of cases or handle cases. This judge was incredibly even-tempered, respectful, polite, tried to be um, re respectful of not just the defendant's rights, but the alleged victim and his family's rights as well, and wanted to make sure that, and did, ensure that everyone got an opportunity to be heard. So I think from the standpoint of justice, I think people should be pleased with how well the judge conducted the hearing itself, even though it was uh, hot-tempered at time, it was dramatic television watching, it had so many different legal aspects to it that it was fascinating from, from a law standpoint as well. But I think if we want to think about justice, now many people listening out there would argue, well, it's not justice if this is a pedophile who may get off because of uh, law enforcement mistakes. But the fact is, is that if we were facing such charges, rightfully or wrongfully, we would want to make sure that every I is dotted, every T is crossed, and that our full constitutional rights are protected. And I think the judge went out of his way to try and make sure everyone felt that they, they were heard today, even if they didn't like some of the answers they were receiving. What did the father say about exactly about the receipt of the phone? He, he yeah. says, uh, no, they didn't give it to me. He says, ultimately, he's saying, no, he didn't. His testimony, he, the way it sounded to me is, no, my testimony is they never gave it to me. Because what, how it came out was, well, I don't remember getting it. Well, 
don't we agree that if you had received it, getting it would be something very important that you would remember? And his answer was yes. If I got it, I would remember it. So is it your testimony then that you never received it back from law enforcement? And his answer was basically yes. So they twisted him back up. Well, it's, up the hill there. It, well, it's not twisted. Well, they, they made him go legitimately <laughs> back up the hill. We dug it, dug a little deeper, as as good lawyers do. You don't necessarily take the first answer. You sometimes have to work your way back through it, and and that was to me problematic with some of the testimony. Some of the answers were like that at first, a little glib, uh, almost cavalierly answering them. But then when the lawyer did, in fact, circle back and dug a little deeper, the answer was what, what we thought it was, is they're, they're pointing the fingers squarely back at law enforcement and therefore the state police officers to say, you, you never gave it to us. Um, it seems hard for me to believe that two state troopers would lie under oath, one supporting the other with respect to the return of the phone, because they would have uh, no interest in keeping the phone if, if, in fact, their job was to return it, and there's no value in lying about it. To them. All right. It seems like there would be a log of that transaction. It should be. Let me ask a general question of law. Why is the bur- burden of proof on someone to prove they did not, that their contact was not consensual, rather than an accuser to prove the... the uh, no, let me rephrase it. You know what I'm getting at. I Why do. is it up to the defendant to prove it was consensual and not up to the accuser to prove it was not consensual? No, uh, it isn't up to the defendant to prove anything. In, right. a, in a civil and case, why? in a criminal case, the defendant has a, what we call a presumption of innocence. So the defendant from the outset is presumed to okay. be innocent of the charges. The burden of proof rests with the government. And so it is their burden okay. to prove each and every element of each offense that they've charged him with, which is felonious sexual assault, which means they've got to show a non-consensual sexual offensive sexual touching. And so it is the government's obligation to remove the item of um, uh, consensual touching as part okay. of their case in order to convict him. So, but, but so in, in part... So if the defendant can show that okay. it was a consensual uh, encounter, then the government can't succeed in its case. So it's part of his defense, but he could sit there and offer no evidence whatsoever if he chooses, and some defendants okay. do. I get it. So is there any evidence at all that it was not consensual? Uh, there are some of the text messages and the exchanges seem to indicate uh, that uh, he was not uh, a welcoming participant in this exchange. The problem is there are others, as his lawyer suggests, that indicate that he was having a good time, enjoying himself, spending time with this celebrity, um, and so that uh, there's information on both sides of that equation. Now, one could argue that uh, providing alcohol to a minor uh, potentially removes his ability to uh, legally consent to any sexual encounter. And so the fact is, is by uh, providing alcohol to him, he may have undercut his free will. And then therefore, so it's, it's a non-consensual touching if in fact um, you accept that logic. So it could be still even uh, uh, problematic for Mr. Spacey uh, with respect to the exchange, if 
uh, one accepts the notion that uh, the the uh, alleged victim was had consumed enough alcohol that he no longer had the ability to consent legally because his will was eroded through the use of the alcohol. A fine point on that. Would that be the case even if it were were not Mrs. Spacey that per- purchased the alcohol? Yeah. If the kid drank him, him beer he brought himself or something or somehow got a hold of alcohol on his own, would that be the case still? Yeah, we've seen that in other cases where we have sort of the date rape situation or the fraternity house issues or, you know, the the teenagers who have consumed too much alcohol and then are um, engaged in sexual activity so that the argument is, and not just an argument, many cases the charges are, that the person was no longer able to consent because of either the consumption of drugs or alcohol, and therefore any sexual activity was in essence against their will. So we've seen it in other cases. Is it the case that any amount of alcohol will make that kick in, or does it have to be intoxication? No, it would have to be that you are no longer able to make a knowing and intelligent decision. So we can consume some level of alcohol and even drugs without the erosion of our free will. So that's a whole other ballgame of proving uh, how intoxicated or not someone might be. That's correct. And and part of it is, again, it goes back to some of the information on the cell phone. There are videos, at least in part, that it's been alleged that show the encounter, or at least portions of it. And so that will be crucial evidence if, in fact, some of it is still available and can be used, maybe used by both the prosecution or the defense with respect to what potentially exists on those videos. Okay, let's talk to Shauna in Melrose. Shauna, you're on uh, WBZ with Mike Coyne. Oh, hi, Michael. Um, hi, Shauna. Hi, hi, Bradley. Um, I just wanted to throw out a couple of comments as I'm driving home. Uh, basically, I wanted to say that I wonder if there was any law regarding predatory behavior, because first of all, um, one one fact is that a male brain does not develop fully until age 25, and I wonder if I wonder if Kevin Spacey was doing completely predatory behavior, and if that could have. Um, any impact on the um, on the prosecution at this point? Okay, I'm going to let you go and listen on the radio because I want you to be able to concentrate on your driving. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, by all accounts, uh, because the uh, accuser in this case is not the first or likely the last accuser of Mr. Spacey, uh, that he has on numerous occasions, the reports are, engaged in predatory behavior with um, young men along the, the lines of what took place in the club car down in Nantucket. So he, he has exhibited those signs. The problem is, in and of itself, predatory behavior isn't, isn't illegal. It's a question of where that line becomes crossed, because both men and women at times will engage in that type of behavior. It's a question of have, what statutes are violated when they, they do. Now, some states... Some states do have, when there's a, a significant age difference between the participants in any type of sexual encounter, especially when the, mi- when the person is a minor. So e- e- that, that the age gap, for instance, uh, I believe it's New Hampshire, if the uh, one of the sexual participants is 14 and the other is 17, even though they're both technically minors, 
um, because there's a significant age gap, it becomes problematic, and 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 at least the statute, as I would see it, uh, it, it reflects a little more that predatory behavior with respect to an older person preying on a younger person. Um, the problem is that neither were minors uh, in this case that night. Uh, the alleged victim was 18. Mr. Spacey was significantly older. So I don't think you're going to see that situation there. I think when it comes to some of the predatory behavior, that would help uh, convince a jury that this may not have been a consensual relationship and that Mr. Spacey isn't worth the, the doubt, that reasonable doubt uh, suggests. And so that may help when the case is actually tried. But I don't believe statutorily it really makes a difference here. On the notion that somebody is not able to give consent because their brain's not developed till 25, that stems from not being able to sentence someone to life imprisonment at a young age because right. this thought that brain not fully developed, so they're a little bit off the hook. This is on the other side. That's quite a radical thing to say that no one under 25 can give consent about anything because their brain is not developed. That would seem to be... I, Extreme. I, I think there's a couple points in that regard. I think one thing we probably do know uh, from our own experience, I'll, I'll speak for myself, uh, you know, when you're 18 and 19 and 20, I'll take George Bush's comments, when I was young and foolish, I was young and foolish. Uh, the fact is, is that when we're in that, that age group, we do really stupid things at times, uh, and we don't think about the consequences. And so there, there is, uh, I think, a great deal of support for the immature, especially young male brain, uh, speaking for myself in that regard. Uh, the problem is, is that if we want to look at our criminal justice system, we, while we no longer sentence them to life imprisonment with the, the benefit of parole, we sentence kids 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old to, to, to multiple years in prison where they are not likely to, to get uh, help, but and nonetheless uh, are sentenced there for extended periods of time, even though their, their brains may not be fully formed yet. So we punish them, uh, even though they may be teenagers. Uh, the fact is, is that um, immaturity and irresponsible actions have significant consequences in our criminal justice system, even if you're too young to fully appreciate how wrong some of these activities are. Yeah, if you're too young, to, if under 25, your brain is not developed enough to consent to that sexual activity of some kind, then I guess your brain wouldn't be developed enough to sign a mortgage. Vote, marry. Take out a loan or do anything at all. Right. So that, that, that That's would, the problem. We let, pe we let people, We the law allows people to... To make decisions, even though they may not be the best decision in the world for them, and even though when we get ten or twenty or thirty years older, we recognize that that uh, we should be making smarter choices. I guess it's a matter of degree. How how undeveloped is the twenty-one-year-old brain? Is it ninety-five percent developed or sixty-two percent developed? We'll, well, have to, we'll have I, to save that for an expert. Maybe you, expert. Hey, yeah, right? Maybe you have a Goodness. psychiatrist or psychologist that can call us and do. Tell us, educate us with respect to um, the the immature mind. So after the break, I'll ask the question now. We'll get the answer. Sure. After. I like this little tease. <laughs> as, you, as you know, at each step of the way in this case, I ask, now, is it more likely that Mr. Spacey would be better off if the thing went to trial with a judge or a jury? 
Now, in, in view of these massive developments, that, that could have an effect on that. And will I, will I get an answer to that after the break on WBZ? We got to talk. What do we got to talk about? Mr. Bradley. Jay talking. With Bradley Jay. WBZ News Radio 1030. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you want to talk? About what? I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Jay talking with Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. WBZ. This is a very interesting night, as all nights with Michael Coyne tend to be. Okay, (laughs) my question before we get to Neil and Lynn. Is after these explosive developments, really, they're quite explosive. A guy was yelling in court uh, and uh, revelations about potential uh, tampering of evidence. Is it more likely now that Kevin Spacey would be better off with a jury? Should it go to court? Should it go to trial? Or the judge? And you, you like this judge, so that colors your response. It does. And I, it's, a, it's a difficult question, but I, I, I'm going to tell you my response. But first, I want to hedge it a little bit. I'm, actually, I'm going to hedge it a lot. I do like this judge. I thought he was very fair-minded in the manner in which he spoke. Uh, I thought he uh, provided enough incentive to the defendant to, to, to start to think, well, maybe this would be a good judge to try the case before. I always do favor a jury. Uh, I think the collective common sense of the jury, especially uh, uh, in in cases where there is a you know a reasonable interpretation of the evidence, uh, I favor the jury system. Uh, I think what I will do, what I would do in this case, is you would, and that's why I'd like to hear from some of the listeners with respect to the information they saw. This would be definitely a case, uh, and again, where you have a defendant with money where you would probably provide information to potential jurors, mock try the case in essence, and see what their reactions would be. And if their reactions were favorable to your presentation of the evidence and such that they would come back with a not guilty, then that would be uh, how I would resolve my dilemma about judge or jury. If the jurors were uh, pretty uniformly uh, finding a reasonable doubt, as I think they would in this case, uh, then I would go with a uh, jury over a judge. Because again, at the end of the day, uh, I may have strong feelings for judges and think they're supportive. And I've had that in other cases, in civil cases, where I said, oh, this is a really good judge. And then before I'm done, decide, no, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I, I thought too early that this is a good judge. That, that when it's a single person that decides it, uh, sometimes even small things can can change them 180 degrees where a collective wisdom of, of six or 12 people on the jury really usually uh, will come up with the, the right decision. I, okay. I would have thought that the jury would be more of a wild card. And as things seem to be going, 
Mr. Spacey's way now. He wanted to be conservative and avoid a wild card. The judge, you kind of know, he's got to rule according to the law. Well, but uh, more than a jury. Uh, yes and no. Juries take their responsibility to follow the law and listen to the evidence, oftentimes very, very seriously. And so, again, where I'm the criminal defendant, uh, all I have to do is convince a single juror of the strength of my case and to hold out against the others, assuming the others want to find guilt, and I get to live for another day because the jury has to be unanimous. So, again, when we've got a system that benefits the defendant because both the higher standard of proof and the unanimity of the verdict, uh, I think, again, I'm better off. Okay. I think, but I'd like to, uh, I would test it. And it's certainly Kevin Spacey has the money so that we can engage um, uh, a significant number of people to get feedback on that, not just as to what they would do with the case, but what, what who do I want as members of the jury? What would be their, their makeup, both by age and ethnicity and, and, and all of it, to bring back the right verdict, which the right verdict is, if I'm representing Mr. Spacey, is a, a not guilty verdict. You know, sometimes lawyers say, well, we want to, or people think we want a jury to, to, to do justice. We don't. If I'm representing an individual in a criminal case, I want them to bring back a not guilty verdict because that's my job. Okay, Neil and Lynn. Hi, Neil. Um, I'd like to ask the attorney, how old was the person accusing Mr. Spacey of rape. Uh, it was actually... It's a different case, but I'm not sure how old he that individual was. Was he well, in his I late 20s? That, Are you talking about well, this case? yeah, and how old is uh, Kevin Spacey in his 50s or 60s? Sure. Okay, but the... Well, I think that Kevin Spacey is guilty based on the proclivities of younger men by older, more um, uh, more moneyed people who believe they can get away with anything with any age, and it's proof positive to me without any evidence that people who go after young people, 60s, 50s, going after 18 or 15 or 24. Fair enough, they, uh, they Neil. We, fair, enough, fair enough, Neil. We got it. Interesting. Uh, he said a very inter interesting thing. Uh, what did he say? Uh, I wish I could have written it down quickly. Without any, yeah, uh, without any evidence. Okay, I, but but his his whole point, in, 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 as I would see it, is so he disfavors the whole notion of the, the May-December relationship. So... John Henry and Linda Pizzuti Henry uh, would be inappropriate because he has lots of money and she doesn't necessarily have nearly as much and there's a big age gap. I mean, there's a lot of people um, who find attraction even though there's significant age difference among them. And who's to say that, that, that that's not, between, not for the two of them to decide what's appropriate? Basically, he said, there's proof without any evidence. <laughs> that was a classic that was a great call. Thank you very much. And it's pretty unlikely that he's going to be on any jury ever. Well, right? with such I strong, know, I can with, tell. Well, and that's the key with such guilty. strong with such strong <laughs> feelings. But you know what's interesting about it is when you're selecting a jury, as long as someone will say, 
that they are willing to set aside any of their preconceived notions of what should happen here and only decide the case on the evidence, that juror can qualify for a jury. You'd still be crazy. If he went, if he said exactly that, in a, as they're selecting a jury, and then said, but I can be, I can forget all this and be fair. Someone might take him. Uh, first guy? of all, he should be he should be disqualified for cause because he does have that preconceived. But let's say let's take your hypothetical. He says no, but I can. I would argue still if if I am opposed to that juror that that is I shouldn't have to use one of my peremptory challenges. I should be able to challenge him for cause. But the other side would argue no, Your Honor. He said that he'd set aside that and would decide it on the merits. Um, so because. The juror that one side wants, oftentimes the other side does not and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have a discussion. I think that juror, if he was a potential juror in a case, should be disqualified for cause. But my adversary is likely to for, try to force me to use what we call a peremptory challenge where it's not for cause, it's for anyone. Use, use one up. Use one up. Make exactly. you get rid of them without cause. Yeah, so maybe someone down the road will be, uh, <sighs> then I have to take it because okay. I'm, I'm out of challenges. You know, I love being, I love jury duty because I can tell a guilty person. <laughs> well, that'll keep you off the jury <laughs> as well. go to Barbara in Winchester. Hello, Barbara. Oh, hi. Thank you. Um, I was just, when the case broke in the Globe, it seemed to me that uh, the the, the fellow was, um, he worked at the club car, and he asked his boss if he could join in, and the boss said yes. So I'm thinking the bartender must have known that he was underage, and, but he did tell Spacey he was 21. And so he could be getting, he shouldn't be getting any alcohol on his own from the bartender, but maybe he was. And it seemed to me they were talking about him back and forth on, the, on his phone, and he was relaying all this information to his girlfriend, et cetera. And he kept going like he was egging Spacey on. But when Spacey decided he was going to the bathroom, it was like, uh-uh, I'm not going any further. And that was the end of the night. So that was, he just seemed like he was going as far as he could go. That was my take on it. Yeah, I think that's a couple of very salient points there. I do think that the uh, restaurant should have known the age of the individual. He was a busboy or something like that. So he should right. have been clear that he was underage. Uh, and the fact is he shouldn't have been served alcohol by, by the uh, restaurant at that point. Exactly. Uh, and right. it's, so it doesn't fall just on Mr. Spacey. The likelihood is that was not the first time he consumed alcohol in the club car restaurant either. Could be. Exactly right. Okay, thank you. And I, I love this back and forth. Bradley J is the best guest. Unbelievable. <laughs> and Michael is one of the very best guests. Thank he you. He is. He is great. Yes. Thanks a lot. I love it. And you know, thank you. there is a podcast of this and other guests. You can you can listen to this whole thing. You, you can even share it with your friends. Well, that was good. Good call. A couple of very interesting calls. Mike Coyne, Massachusetts School of Law. If you, you know, you'd like to get a tour, call them up. Maybe they can set something up. WBZ, I appreciate y'all, and I appreciate you, Mike. Thanks, Bradley. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.